0: Let's go to Ruth chapter number two. Get your place there in Ruth chapter number two, and then I'm going to take you to one verse um, that I I want us to kind of get a focus on today as we build. Last week we talked about friendship and what character traits and what qualities it takes to be a friend that's needed in this world. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you, the, the, the longer time goes, the more we're going to need community. I mean, I don't know if you realize that now, but Um, it is important to have a community in your life. It's even more important that that community be built on a faith that's, that's trusting Jesus Christ and putting their life and their foundation beliefs on who He is and what He's done for us. And so as we build on that, as we see Naomi being this lady that's in a mindset in chapter number one that says, just leave me. God's raised his hand against me. Don't stay with me. My life is the worst. Forget it. It's over. To Ruth saying, I will go where you go. I will die where you die. I will serve the God you serve, and I'm not going to leave you, And, and may God punish me harshly if I break this vow. And now we transition into a chapter number two. We're here. We're in a situation where um, Ruth's now in a foreign land, right? She's from Moab. Now she's living in Judah. Now she's in Bethlehem. And it's not her heritage. It's not her hometown. It's not a place that she can really easily fit in, right? So let's give the history a widow person in biblical times is a person that was in grave danger if they had nobody, uh, what we call a kinsman heir, like a, a, a person that would come in, a, a, write this word down and go study it in, in your devotional. You'll find this would be really cool because this passage of Boaz and what Boaz is about to do in Ruth and Naomi's life is a perfect illustration. It's an Old Testament symbol of what Jesus Christ would do for us later. Write these two words down. Ready? Kingsman redeemer, the redeemer, kinsman redeemer. Kinsman, redeemer. And go study those things. In the Old Testament times, if if you were the relative of a person that passed away, a man that passed away, you would redeem the wife. You would redeem the children. In other words, you would bring them into your family, your provision, your heritage. You would take care of them. But Naomi and Ruth are without that. Elimelech is dead. Ruth's husband's dead. And now they are broke. They are poor. That's why Naomi looked at Ruth and said, Ruth, I want you to go back and I want you to go to your mom and dad. That's your only hope. That's really what they're saying. But Ruth says, No, I'm going to give up that hope to believe in you and to stay with you. And, and I want you to write this down. But please put it in your notes. No one in your life should have to go through something alone as long as you are a part of a relationship with them. Whether that's your spouse, whether that's your children, your friends, whether that's somebody we go to church with. I know today Jamie Rainbolt is in the hospital going through a lot of things. We, uh, many of us have gone down there and spent some time with her in the last day or so, as should be, right? Like if somebody's there, you need to let them know you matter, we see you, we care, and be praying. She's in ICU. Had a real scare, and thank God they got her there, and, and they're working on her, but now they need revelation, right? They need to know why this is happening, and what's going on. But in our mindsets, and in our lives, we should be aware that, hey, um, no matter what you're going through, we're not gonna let you go through it alone. We're going to make sure that we're there. That's part of being the family of God. That's not part of being Grace Community Church. You're a child of God. You're in that family. It's part of being a kingdom. And that's how it should be, regardless of denomination, regardless of where they go to church, they should not go through it alone. A local church shouldn't go through something alone without other churches coming beside them. Are you following? We got to get a different mindset in the Christian community. And that mindset needs to be Acts 2, not the mindset of 2023. It needs to be the mindset of, I'll get rid of what I need to get rid of to make sure that you that have nothing have something. And I'll do what I need to do to make sure that you that are lonely aren't lonely today. And so Ruth kind of stands in and knowing this, she kind of puts this sentence on her life to live a poor, desolate life. Their only hope is to be redeemed. Now, who else does that sound like today? Anybody in this place, your only hope of righteousness at all is Jesus Christ, because in you there's nothing good. Anybody else got that testimony today? And our only hope of a better life, our only hope of an inheritance, our only hope of not just receiving what we deserve because our sin is to be redeemed. And thank God we have a kinsman redeemer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Someone that, 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 that is in our bloodline. God created us in his image. Somebody in our family line stepped in and said, I will take what, what is of you and I'll bring it in and make it my responsibility. And today we see how God uses redemption. All right? Now, we're going to take a couple different approaches to this passage. It may take us a couple weeks to get through the next two chapters, if God allows us. If you're just joining us, we're in a story time series. We've realized that 70% of our church does not know most of the Old Testament stories. And so we're going back, we're taking Old Testament truth, or even a New Testament truth, That's it's a story, and we're bringing life application in real time today. So Ruth has been our focus starting last week, and we're going to continue that today. And I'm going to start in a Hebrews, right? 11, verse number 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. All right? This is where it's talking about faith. In the very beginning, it's talking about how faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. But through our faith, the people in the days of old, they earned a good reputation. What they're saying is they didn't have a savior that died on a cross, but they believed in a Messiah that would come and rescue them. And their faith made them whole where they are. I'm going to tell you this right now. Your hope isn't going to come from what God has done and is doing. Your hope is going to come from a belief system that nothing is impossible for God and that God can do anything. All right, and so in a troubled situation, my hope has to be in what I know that God is capable of, not in what I see, because sometimes what I see ain't good. Anybody say amen to that? Sometimes the things I have in my life aren't what I want. Sometimes your your, your job's not the job you want, but it doesn't give you a right to quit. Sometimes your relationship isn't where you want it to be, but it doesn't give you a right to bail out. Sometimes I have to have a hope that God is going to do a work, is doing a work that will lead to a greater thing. Now, I I don't know if you need to put this in your notes, but maybe you need to write and maybe you need to keep in front of you that greater things are still to come, all right? Greater things are still coming in your way. Greater things God's going to do in your life. You better pray and hope today that your relationship with God a year from now looks nothing like your relationship today. I mean, I want to grow, I want to go, I want deeper, I want more meaningful. How many of you would say, I'd love a greater understanding of the Word of God? Anybody like that? Yeah, take me deeper, Holy Spirit, right? How many of you would honestly say, you know, I I don't only want a greater understanding of the Word of God, I want a greater understanding of God Himself. Anybody like that? All right, what about this? I want a greater understanding of other people, like how they function. Like what God's trying to do in their life. I want to see him from his point of view and not from mine. Because my point of view can be very much dictated by traffic. My point of view can be very much dictated by hardship. My point of view can be very moody. But God is consistent and stable. And so as we go into this, we go to verse number six of this chapter. And it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right? It's impossible. It's impossible. And that anyone who wants to come to men must believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who sincerely, that's what the NLT says, the King James says, diligently seek him. So today, if we're talking about Ruth, we're going we're gonna to break it down to one word. Ready? Diligence. All right, write that down. Let's, that, that might not be the, woo, let's get out of bed excited bird, but uh, diligence is a very foundational word of your life. It is the ankles to your feet, the knees to your legs. Without it, you're crippled. Without it, you can't walk. Without it, you can't stand. Without it, you're functionless. So I, I, I think in faith, sometimes we can get to an extreme. We can either be this extremist of faith that means that we just believe we can name it and God's going to claim it and give it to us, or we can be this absence of faith where we just don't believe in God at all. And, and, and very rarely do we have the consistency of faith where we realize that faith isn't sitting and waiting. Faith isn't sitting and doubting. Faith is believing enough that you get up and do something. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's like, I got faith, so I'm just going to stand here. Nothing happens and God doesn't love me. Because God did not require your faith to be something that you just bring to church on a Sunday morning. And God did not say that faith was just going to be something that you believed when you were praying. God said faith was going to be something that you believed so much that it produced works. And without works, your faith is what? dead Dead. and so we live in a church that says a church age that says we have faith we'll throw our hands up in praise and worship and we'll believe but we don't have faith to take what we're saying we believe and put it into practice and be consistent and be patient and be diligent with it and so understand ruth gives us this beautiful just illustration of diligence now, I'm going to try my best not to read every verse because I'm going to trust that you're going to go home and read this chapter later. All right. But we're going to hit some highlights. In verse number one, it says there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband. Is anybody else? And this is just how I study the Bible. Anybody else seen the cool thing? Where was Jesus born? Come on now. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And would you agree with me that that was a, a very wealthy dude? Oh, you say, no, he was born to Mary and Joseph. But if you had rights to the throne room of God and not just rights to it, but a seat in it, wouldn't you say that if you are part of the Almighty, the beginning of creation, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Would you not say that Jesus is a very wealthy dude? Yes. He's in creation. The Bible says all things were made by him. By the way, all things were made for him. And without him, there was nothing made. I love the symbolism of Boaz being Jesus. He's influential. He's got all the things. I mean, he's powerful. He can do everything. And yet he decided to come be born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. That is a redeemer. A redeemer, write it down, is willing to give up of what they have so that somebody else can have what they never should have. And God sent his son to redeem us. There's a redeemer. If you read this through the goggles of Jesus, you realize we're Ruth. Ruth is from Moab, which makes her a foreigner. She is not Jewish. She's not of the bloodline. She's not anything. She's an outsider. And in this part of the world and this part of history, she was not somebody that they would consider clean. She was not somebody that they would consider righteous. She is not somebody that would have temple rights and other things. She is an outsider. How many of you else in this room have ever felt like the outsider? Anybody else like that? Anybody else realize today you're a foreigner? A child of God does not belong on this earth because God made earth and Eden to be perfect and earth is flawed. I Our home is not here. It is not on the road you live. It is not in the house in which you dwell. Our home is in heaven with the presence of God, the power of God, the purpose of God, the word of God, living out in consistency at all times around us. This is not home. You're a foreigner here, but God accepts us Gentiles today. That's what you would call her. Are you with me? All right. What a cool thing. You might've come into church today thinking that the walls were gonna fall down. Good news, they're still standing. You might've thought that it was gonna catch on fire. Good news, it's not there yet. Although some people may be cold enough they wish it would. The thing is, is and by the way, if you're too cold, start preaching, start worship team, start doing something else, and maybe you won't be that cold. I am burning up. Are you a little bit hot, Omar? Get over there and play the drums one time. And then let us do two back-to-back fast songs on you and, and, and you'll be warmed up. Am I right, Omar? Which, by the way, doesn't need to do a great job. Aren't we thankful? Here's the thing I want you to understand. Like, listen to me. I love this statement. And I want you to get it. God accepts the outsider. God takes in the foreigner. And this passage is a beautiful example of it. So I don't want to get too deep, all right? But I want to take you a little bit deeper. There's a word in the Bible that that was actually a practice under Mosaic law, right? In Leviticus, this was established. Mosaic law simply means that this is a command that God gave Moses when he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. If you got that, say got it. All right. So Mosaic law had certain standards that you had to live by, certain things that you had to do, certain things that you couldn't do. Matter of fact, Ten Commandments kind of come into play when you're understanding when God's establishing this is the rule and the way that things should go. This is the decency and an order that God wanted the world to work until Jesus came. If you got that, say got it. A practice of Mosaic law is called gleaming, all right? Gleaming, all right? And we're about to see this. The gleaming is this. If you are poor or foreign, you have a right by law to do what Ruth is about to do. All right, now look at this. And here it is. And it it says, one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. That's gleaming. You're not allowed to work in the field that's to harvest. You're not allowed to take from the harvest. You're not allowed to go in and pluck, but you're allowed to follow behind the harvesters of a field, the harvesters of Joab, here are Boaz. You're allowed to follow behind them, and you can pick up what they leave behind. You know what I prayed here, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I think it needs to be the prayer of every Christian God, may the things that I leave behind be left in good enough shape that somebody else can pick it up. May the things that that are the leftovers or the abundance, by the way, it would change the way you do business, businessmen, businesswomen. It would change the way that we would give if we practice this gleaming mindset to where we realize that we don't have to take it all. I don't have to have everything that's in my closet today. Anybody else say Me too. I don't have to have everything that's in my life today. There's certain things I could leave behind. There's certain things I could give to others. There's certain things that there are people that are coming behind me that, that may need to be blessed. And, and, and I hear people say this all the time, like, why do churches want offering? It's the same reason you want air conditioning and lights every time you show up. Yeah, It's the same thing. You're just saying, well, they're just begging for money. No, 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 no. What they're wanting to do is they're wanting to gleam a little bit. They're wanting to do what God has called them to do, but have enough left over so that when somebody calls like they did this week and say, hey, I'm crippled, I have leg surgery, I can't move, I've been stuck in this camper, all I'm eating is peanut butter and jelly, will somebody just bring me one hot meal? that we can look at our administrators and say, "Go go get in the car, go get them some KFC so maybe they can stretch it to two. Maybe they can stretch it to three. To where our heart's broken, that all you want is one hot meal. No, the church should be able to give you many hot meals. The the Bible says if somebody comes in hungry, you shouldn't just say, I'm going to pray for you. What should you do? Hey, that's gleaming. That's saying, God's been good to me. I'm going to be good to somebody else. God's been good to me, so I'm going to, hey, we're going to be a church that accepts the poor. Now, poor doesn't necessarily mean what's in the wallet. Poor can be in spirit, too. I mean, how many of you have ever been so broke down, so down and out, so 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 insecure, or so defeated that you felt worthless? Anybody in the place today? Yeah, you know what? How many of you found hope? How many of you had an encourager come into your life? How many of you had somebody step in when they didn't have to, love you when they didn't have to, and help you when they didn't have to? How many of you had that, hey, Gleamer, aren't you glad that somebody else is not just about what else they can get in their fields, into their barns, but they're about the other people that might need the field too? And don't be a person, don't be a church that says, look at us and what can we do? Look at all that we have. Be a church that says, hey, we've got enough. Let's give what we have extra. Let's give some more. Let's do some more. I mean, how many of you have ever been the outcast? Let's talk about this. Uh, The foreigner would be a good signal of the sinner who in here has made a mistake in their life. And please don't sin by not raising your hand. Right. The reality is, as all of us have been in this field. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around my life and even though it has challenges, I realize that there's blessing in abundance and God's been good to me. Sometimes I want this field so bad that's not mine that I forget that it's so good that God put manna on the floor today. That God provided what I needed today. His grace is sufficient in our times of need. And how many of you would say, there's some days I don't think I'm going to make it, but yet the days that I didn't think that I was going to make it are lies because I'm still sitting here. I'm still alive and breathing and God's still, there's some days I thought I was going to lose my mind. Anybody else in here? There's some days I thought that there's no way that I can recover from my mistakes and my failures, but you're still here. Not just here. Not just is your name known on earth, but your name is recorded in heaven in a Lamb's book of life. Not that your name just matters here. Your name matters there. And your name may have had a whole different meaning in heaven than it has in the mouths of people here. Aren't you thankful today that God isn't the God that says, I'm going to go grab all the stuff out of the field that, that's good for me. Instead, he says, I'm going to leave stuff in the field that's good for you. And today, you and I are where we are because God had some grace and mercy for us. And I'm just going to call you out church. I'm going to call you up. Please have grace and mercy for others. Please care and recognize and see the need of others. You know what thunder means? That means I can keep you as long as I need to. So I can say that I'm doing that to keep you dry, right? Like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to do you a favor. Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. Here it is. Listen to me. I, I think in our life, while we're not under Mosaic law, this is a good principle to get back. Examine your day and as you're going through your day and as you're experiencing your blessing, ask yourself, what are you leaving for others? What time are you leaving to dedicate, to mentor or sponsor someone else? What, 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 what part of you are you giving up so that somebody else can get? What are you showing up to that maybe you don't need to show up to, but you're just there because you're going to support somebody? You're going to be the ears. You're going to be the eyes. We say this all the time. Our, our recovery and restoration program does not work without people who are recovered and restored and you say well that's for the people who are broken well what good is a hospital if you showed up and there's no doctors no nurses right. what, what, what good is a hospital to have all the equipment you got the MRI machines you got you got the surgery tables you got the the I don't even know the labs where you can run all the testing work but yet there's no lab tech there's no nobody to run the machine what good is your help to walk in there if nobody's there that's healthy enough to help you get healthy and I think in our churches, we need to understand that God hasn't called you to healthiness just so that you can care about yourself. God's called you to abundance so that you can care from the abundance about somebody else. That's right. And I'm thankful today as I look around this auditorium, I'm surrounded by people who I believe live that to the best of their abilities, and you are amazing, and I know from a personal standpoint how much God has used you in our lives, and my prayer is that we can return that back to you in our seasons of harvest too. Your season of harvest today might not be a loaded bank account, but you may be retired. You say, well, I'm leaving living paycheck to paycheck, social security check to social security check, and God bless you. We know that's difficult. The truth is, is you've got something that a lot of other people don't have, and that's called time. And you say, well, I'm too old. Well, before you say that, most of Jesus's ministry was done in the last three and a half years of his life, all right? And so understand everything we have in the New Testament, last three and a half years of his life. And so you're never too old for what you do to matter and for what you do to count. Maybe you're the person that your harvest right now is that you've got children, how many of you got young kids? Now, I know some days that doesn't feel like a harvest because it's testing, right? Some of you are tired. And, 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 and it may be why some of you nap in church. I don't know, all right? But the thing is, it's like, listen, um, if you've got that abundance, it's, it, this is a good season for you to volunteer once a month in children's ministry because you know how to connect. Garrett does not. All right? Now, I'm not being mean to Garrett, but Garrett, how old is your, young, uh, your youngest kid? 26. Would anybody think to me, and this is going to sound meaner than I mean it. I, I'm trying to get it in my head to sound nice. Ready? That a, t- a 26-year-old young person is a little bit different than a five-year-old. Yes. Yes? <laughs> and so the mercy and grace that Garrett has for his 26-year-old It will not work for the five-year-old, right? And so, you know, Garrett's a good mentor. He's in a good sponsorship season of life. He's a good discipleship person, which by the way, he's involved in all those. This is a good season and his harvest says, hey, I'm in this, I'm trained here, I'm more related here, I'm more connected here. But some of us have toddlers that make us wanna pull our hair out sometimes and keep us up sometimes. And we're saying, oh man, this is a difficult season. Volunteer for Children's Church, you'll get it. Whereas if we take someone who's not used to that and stick them in there, we have to give them counseling and therapy after service, right? Like the thing is, is you're in different seasons of harvest. You got that? Some of you are in your 40s, 50s, 60s. Your finances are starting to take shape. By the way, here's some hopeful things. The most successful financial years of your life are the decades of 50 and 60. That's what they say. And so if you're there and you're in that, then you might be the person that's able to help somebody get started. But if you're 25, you're probably not the person that's going to help people with long-term investment. Right? Casey's amen in that one. Right? But somebody who is at that 50s, 60s age can come to you and say, hey, I wish when I was your age I'd have saved a little bit like that. How many of you got that story? How many of you remember, uh, I was going to say the DVDs weren't as important, but let's go to Tammy, the a track tapes. How many of you would be like, hey, I didn't need all those things. Right? I'm sorry. Did you have a track tapes? Yes, I knew it. Alright, so here we go. Listen, when we get to certain stages of life, it doesn't outdate us, it just seasons us to leave behind in different ways. I think sometimes we talk about giving from your abundance and it makes the, the people that are less fortunate in an area feel like they cannot be used and that is not true. You're an expert at something. And some of you are an expert of pain. Your life has been a struggle. You've been through abuse. You've been raised in different ways and gone through different things, seen the world different ways. Today we were coming in and we were trying to fold the uh, newsletters quickly. And so I said, DJ, give me a stack. And, and so I came over to this edge and I started folding like five and six at a time. And, 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 and one fold would get five and six. And Casey looked at me and said, how do you know how to do that? I said, 19 years of being a pastor's kid. And in my mind, I was like with a pastor that didn't print till Sunday morning. And you had to fold. And so you learned that if you get a straight edge and fold papers, you can fold multiples at the same time. As as if you're trying to fold one at a time, it takes a lot of time. How do I know that? I've had blisters and paper cuts. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying some of you need to be in a season of teaching other people how to fold things, all right? Unless it's your husband laundry, right? But I am saying maybe you're in a... My wife, just say yes. I... (laughs) I, I'm going to pause right here and say, I folded towels last night. Right. For the first time out of 150 loads, I did one. And that's the one you're going to hear about. Who cares about the other If Jesus will leave 99 for the one, then the one matters, right? So understand this. Like we got to get in our mindset that our abundant season, it's not going to look the same as somebody else's abundant season. And, and, and some of you would be great at teaching that teenage girl who has her heart broken by the relationship that's been the most meaningful with a guy that she's had. It might not be as meaningful as the 25, 26, 30 year old, but in her mind, it's everything she knows. And you might be that that person that that has been through that, that's in their 25s, 30s, that can look back and say, honey, this is what you need to do. You need to get close to Jesus. You need to break up with everybody else, date the son of God, and then make sure that the man you're going to date will looks like him you need to do that you say what's my abundance church i'm asking you today where has god blessed you and that should result into a diligence of blessing others what can you leave in the fields behind and god's been good in some shape form or fashion in your life god spares you from a wreck where that car looks so bad and those pictures look awful and yet you don't you know, like, hey, God gives you a purpose. God gives you a season. It's time to step up. It's time to say, okay, God, you have let me gleam. Make me a gleamer for someone else. Let me leave something behind for somebody else to pick up. Remember that. Is it Michael W. Smith? May all who come behind me find me faithful. Um, have you ever heard of stories, of, and I've heard pastors preach this, where Their dads would walk through snow and tell them, step in my footprints, they'll be safe. And I I think of that when I'm thinking of my life, like there's certain feet print that I have left behind that I don't want my kids to step in. Anybody else say yes to that? And so what you do is you go back in your life and you put a boundary there. You don't open that door. You don't allow things in your life that could open that door for you. Because you know what it would do to you, and you know that that would pass on. Your kids are watching you. They're learning from you. They're listening to you. You know, they're, they're saying things. Um, and, 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 and I think to myself sometimes they're, they're picking up on things that we're not aware of, that they're learning. But in, in our bad habits, we need to set boundaries. In our good habits, we need to reestablish. Sometimes it's good in your life to go back to a point and say, hey, don't step here. Daddy stepped here and it messed him up. Let's step over here. This is where we changed, okay? Let's let's get this right. Let's take this in a different direction. It's never too late to start praying with your kids. It's never too late to start reading the word with your kids. It's never too late to change the language of your home. It's never too late to turn the channel. It's never too late to set a different example than you've had before. Because I'll be honest, are our kids totally oblivious to what the world is? Yes. My little one is. But will they become aware through time? Somebody said yes up here, and you're exactly right. Yeah, they will. And so it's like, I'm not going to hide them from the world because the world is real, and they're going to have to experience. But what I will do is I will not hide my mistakes, nor will I hide the truth. So here's what daddy did that messed up. I'm not going to say why. I'm just going to set the rule and say that rule's there because daddy can mess up, and I don't want you to do the same. All right. You with me? All right. Let's look at this. In diligence, we need to understand that three things are going to be required. And I want you to write these down. Number one, patience. Patience. How many of you've learned this? You don't get to where you're going in one step and you don't get there overnight. Where's my, where's my people that are in restoration or recovery 12 steps right now? Anybody in the room that's doing that? All right. How many of you realize that you don't get the step 12 in a week? Yeah, sometimes you don't get through step four for 12 weeks, right? It takes some time, but I want you to understand this. I believe we say patience and people think patience means this. Patience does not mean stand still. Patience means don't make it happen. Let God develop it. Patience means I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to go to the car dealership, see a car that I love, and then start praying. God, do you want me to buy this? You know why? Because you're going to start asking God while you're sitting, God, I'm writing the, my name on this paper with a salesman. Stop me if you don't want me to buy this. You know, God, I'm letting them run my credit. You, you let it come back bad. You know if it's bad before you ran it. Am I right? God, if this isn't your will, no, 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 no. It's like, God, I need a car. And before I even look at a car, I'm going to ask you to do this. Make me aware of when it's time, take me to the right place and show me the right vehicle that's not only going to get me where I'm going to go, but it's going to get me there for a consistent amount of time and protect my family and keep them safe. Because God, if I go shopping on my own, I'll come home with a convertible when I needed a minivan. Am I right? Come on now. Don't act like you're better than that. Yeah. I'll walk through Walmart needing a television and I'll, I'll see the 32 inch that fits in my 100 square feet. But then all of a sudden there's the 84 inch that doesn't even fit on the wall. But I think I need to have it because for some reason I think I'm blind. And I'm only going to be sitting 10 feet from this thing. But I need to be as big as it can be. And I can't even look all of it at once. And then I get like, I need a chiropractor now because I watched TV last night. Right? Yeah, you understand? It's like, God, hey, show me what I need because my wants sometimes hide you. That's a good prayer. But oftentimes we're praying for God like this God, I need help paying this bill. I need help getting this done. And it's like, hey, that's good. God will help you and He'll provide. But it's a lot better to pray before you make the bill than once the bill's there. How many of you got it? Say, got it. All right. Diligence says I'm patient. Patience says I'm not standing still, but I'm not going to make it happen either. All right. I want you to understand this. Healing, relationships, your walk with God, your faith will take time to grow. And sometimes it'll come through difficulty and sometimes it'll come easy, but you need to be patient. Diligence says, I will wait for you, but waiting for you in God's word does not mean stand still. All right, how many of you got that? You understand? Number two, it takes a willingness to work. Now, this is one where you'll lose most of the auditorium. All right, understand this. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, verse number two, let me go into the harvest field and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. You know what Ruth is saying? We're broke, we're hungry, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about it today. I'm going to go to the field and hope something's laying there. Yeah. All right, I, I, we say this all the time. I want you to get it if you've never heard it. When you have a need, don't plant a complaint. When you have a need, plant a seed. Say, okay, God, this is what I'm going to put in my life today because today's seeds produce tomorrow's harvest. And what you want to see in five years from now has to be planted at some time in your life and before it'll ever take place. Like, good habits don't happen just because you said so. You don't get skinny or healthy. And by the way, skinny and healthy are not the same thing. All right? The world says this is healthy, but this could be sending you to the ER. right, you may not be supposed to be this size in your waist. That's that's not even the size of my thigh. All right, the thing is, is you're healthy is what matters. And you're not going to get healthy or in the shape that's healthy for your body build by just saying you're going to get there. You've got to actually have a mindset that says, I'm going to get up and do the work that's needed today to get to the place I need to go. I'm hungry, so I'm going to the field. I'm hurting, so I'm going to celebrate recovery. I'm going to CR. I'm going to restoration ministries. I'm getting in the overcoming grief brass. I'm broke, so I'm going to go sit down with Omar or one of our financial counselors. I'm going to find a way to make this better. I'm not going to sit here and complain about the season of life. I'm going to have a willingness to work, to do what's necessary to make this work. Hey, my relationships may not be what they need to be, but I'm going to put the effort in to make it better. You say, where do I start? Look, if you don't want to go to counseling, watch Fireproof, get the dare, and do it. You say, well, number one, I gave you a reason to sit on your bottom, eat potato chips, drink a soda, watch a movie, and then grab a book, read it, and do one thing a day. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. You don't really want to change. There's a lot of people that say, I want to change, but very few people that say, I'm willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to do what it takes sometimes is a little bit humbling. Can you imagine being the foreigner walking in or the poor walking into somebody's field under a Mosaic law, which everybody knows that the people that are behind the crew that's hurt, that's helping, those are the broke ones. So you've got to kind of swallow where you are, swallow who you are to step out in faith and say, okay, you know what? My pain is greater than my shame, but I don't want to stay in pain, so I'm not going to let shame be my name. And so therefore, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. I could not say that again if I wanted to. So write it down and get that back to me. All right. So it's just like, I I don't like how we are. So we're going to do what we need to do. For the past few weeks, we've told you that we're even in marriage counseling. You think that's easy to say? No. Do you think it made my mother-in-law ask questions? Yes. But does it matter? No. You want a healthier marriage? You can have one. I love it. My, my, my mother in law asked my wife, Is there something wrong? And she said, No, I believe every couple should be in marriage counseling because every couple should want to better their relationship. That's right. You know, and I I, I think we got to get in this mindset to where we say, okay, ready? And people don't like it when you say this, but it doesn't matter what you think of me because what you think of me does not dictate how I feel and what is real inside of me. What matters is I want to be right in here and I want to be right up there. And so to be right in here and be right up there, sometimes I can't care about what you have to think. I'll be the foreigner and the poor in the back of a field picking up and doing what needs to be done because it doesn't matter what the town has to say. It matters about where you're going in life. What do you need in life today, church? What's hurting in life today? What's, what's hard in life today? What's missing in life today? What do you not know what to do with? Don't sit there and say that I'm just waiting on God. Yes, be patient, but get up. And number two, be willing to do the work that's necessary in the area of life that you're struggling. If you're having a hard time paying your bills, I know this is a hard concept and I don't mean it mean, but if you've outlived your means or your medical bills have stacked up, believe me, I know that too. They can come from places you didn't plan. And if you're in that season, then maybe this is the season that you do have a one and a half job. Maybe you are working full-time and part-time somewhere else. And you say, oh my goodness, why would God do that to me? I I believe sometimes we're saying, why did God, when we're the one that did it and we're trying to give God the blame. But the truth is, is God's going to redeem you no matter if it's your fault, his fault, somebody else's fault anyway. God's going to bring you back. Ruth goes from the, in just one chapter, she goes from the person standing in the back to the person right behind And from the person right behind to when they take a lunch break, she now becomes a person that Boaz looks at and says, you stay with them. In other words, it's like this. God is not going to leave you in a humble state too long. He says those that will humble themselves, he will what? Exalt. Exalt. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11:6 6 that we started with, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. All right, Andre, can you help me out real quick? All right, I'm going to let you be Boaz, all right? You're the dude. You look better than I. You're all matchy, looking good. All right, so Andre, go over there. Be Boaz. I'll be Ruth. Here's the harvesters. They're working. These are the people that are hired. These are the people that have position. These are the people that have meaning in the field. They're supposed to be in the field. They belong in the field. The harvest is theirs. This is the Ruth that doesn't belong there at all. And where she starts, she starts back here. And she's just picking up and she's looking for anything they drop Just a scrap, just a crumb, like a Lazarus sitting outside of a gate, wanting straps from a rich man's table. Just give me anything, anything, anything. And Boaz comes up, and you can read this later. He says to his people, who's this woman? And they said, that's Naomi's daughter-in-law from Moab. And Boaz knew her. Because Boaz was a distant relative of her. Boaz knew her story. Boaz knew where she had been, knew the decision she had made. We, matter of fact, find that if you want to check it out in verse number uh, 11. It says, yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know everything about you, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I heard about how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Here's what he says. May the Lord The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I am telling you right now, church, it is never a shame to need the city of refuge. It is never a shame. By the way, if you don't know what that is in the Bible, it's a place where they could not go in. There's no exorcism. There's no, what is it? There's no law where they'll extradite, not exorcism. They'll get the demon out of you, but they're going to extradite you, right? So if you are a criminal or you are broken, there were safe hubs that you could run to you would have to live there and as long as you were in the city of refuge you were safe from all the outside people that were trying to get you and you know what Boaz says the wings of God the breath of God the shadow of God is the city of refuge and he will bless you there and you may be the person that says I'm in need I'm broken be diligent go to work and even in a place of humility know that God will not leave you there so look at this process if you would It goes on, and stand there, I'm coming to you, okay? You'll be the model. Flex it, do whatever you need to do. (laughs) Boaz, in verse 5, asks his, his foreman, who's that young woman? Who does she belong to? The foreman replied, she's a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. Verse, 20, verse seven, she asked me this morning if she could grab the grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes that she rested in the shelter. Boaz went over to Ruth and said, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us as you gather the grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right here behind the young men and work, women working in the field. You know why? Because back here is dangerous. This isn't a place you stay. This is a place you get robbed, ridiculed, raped. This wasn't a healthy place for women. Go study the history of what would happen to the gleamers in the field. They get used, kidnapped. Trafficking is not a old a new thing. It's an old thing too. These people would disappear. You know why? Because there was nobody that would recognize that they're gone. These are the broken. These are the widows. These are the ones that society has forgotten about. And people would be predatory towards these people. So you know what Boaz did? Boaz comes over and says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you where you are. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you from where you are. And I'm going to bring you to where my people are. And here you'll find protection. And here you'll find safety. You st- stay right here. Does she belong here? No, she belongs there. And I'm just, let's celebrate this right now. Who in this place is not where you belong in this world? Because God has brought you to where you never belonged. Anybody like that? He said, hey, come here, come here, come here. You stay right with me. You stay here. Not only did he do that, look at this in in the very next verse. He said, and when you're thirsty, he said, see which part of the field they're harvesting. Follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water that they've drawn from the well. Now, how many of you realize that the Bible has this theme about the well? Jacob's in a broken place. What's he do? He goes to the well that Abraham had dug. Jesus shows up at a well that was given to Joseph. What was that well for? And what did he find there? The woman that was an adulterous woman standing there. And he says, hey, you drink from that well. You're going to continue to be thirsty. Drink from this well. And Boaz steps up and he says, when you get thirsty, take a drink from the well of the water that I have drawn. That we have already gotten there. I don't know about you, but I'm drinking and experiencing some goodness of God from things that I didn't even do. Anybody? I got some grace I don't deserve. Has anybody else got a praise for that today? I got some mercy. I got some goodness of God. I've got some deliverance. How many of you, how many of you should be in jail for some of your stupidity? Man, we got a lot of criminal in this place. Don't we? <laughs> that was a lot of, you feel good. You, you belong, right? Like, all right. But, but how many of you um, have done things on the road while driving that you should have got a ticket for, but you never got caught? Is Nathan here? Write them up. Let's go. Let's get them. <laughs> but you know what does happen? The one time you get a ticket, you complain about the cop. Right. Yep. Am I right? Like he came out. No. How many times have you got away with it? Let's be honest. Does God punish every sin? He poured out punishment for every sin on Jesus Christ. But does every one of your sins, has it had immediate consequences in your life? No, we haven't nearly gone through the consequences we deserve. You know why? Because God brought us to a well water that we didn't even draw, and he gave us a drink. Now look at this, and I I want you to understand this. God does not want you to be the person that leaves church today feeling like you don't belong in his church. He wants you to be the person that leaves the church today feeling like you found a family you belong in. You found a heritage that is yours. And he said to her, come stand with us. And I've told these men, they're not going to treat you harshly. Church, I'm going to tell you this right now, and thank you, buddy. A lot of people do not experience the goodness of God because they're not willing to stand up from where they are and go put effort into their life. They get stuck in seasons of, ready, victim. And they forget, the greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world today. You may not be able to overcome, but you've got a champion inside of you. You may not be able to stand through this, but you've got a Savior that can. You may not be able to carry this load. You may not be able to carry this cross, but you have a God in heaven that gave his son and his Holy Spirit to carry you and to carry the things you're going through. You are not called to sit idle and wait. You are called to faith, to believe that even though you may not see it now, it does not mean that it may not be coming. It is on the way. And like God told Habakkuk in chapter 22, it may seem like like a long time coming, but be sure of this. It will happen just like I said, and it will not be delayed. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here's what God's rest looks like. It doesn't look like you sitting on your can. It doesn't look like you not getting out of bed. It doesn't look like you complaining about the world. The very next verse says, take my yoke up on you. In other words, it's saying, hey, he's an ox plowing a field, and you get to plow too. He's making a way, and you get to go too. You're not going to get to where you want to be in life, sitting down, waiting on God. You've got to be willing to get up and do what God's called you to do today. You say, well, I need God's guidance in what career I need. Okay, I'll tell you this. Here's the thing you need to do today. Get up, find somebody you can tell about the Lord. Find somebody who's in the Lord you can encourage and find somebody that you can mentor and help and walk with. Be an encourager, be a discipler and be somebody who cares about the needs of others. That's the will of God for your life today. That's the three ministries Jesus was involved in. He cared about their needs. He cared about their souls and he taught them the things of God that they didn't know. Be that person and know that if you consistently do what God has called you and asked you to do, then God will be the one that gives you the blessing. Then God will be the one that gives you the increase. Then God is the one that prepares the way. God gives a lamp to your feet, but he definitely is the one that paves the path. God gives a light to the path, but he's definitely one that gives you the purpose for the calling. It's not all on you today. That's great news. You don't have to figure it all out, but you you don't need to sit and pout either get up and be in position ready for when god pours out the blessing in your life today it's coming it's coming and number three diligent requires consistency you know what that means be dependable you might not get the answer you prayed for today but be consistent tomorrow and the day after It might not all work out in your first counseling session. Be consistent to go back. Recovery ministries might not have been for you on your first try. College ministry, you might not have felt like you fit in the very first time you walk in. But be consistent, because consistency is where we see habits form, lifestyles change, mindsets developed, and the possibilities of God become real. It's not through a one-time change. You went home, you said to your sorry one time out of a million different arguments. Don't be surprised if he or she doesn't believe it. You've lived a lifestyle opposed to what you're trying to live now. Don't be surprised if it takes people a long time to warm up to the idea. It's not about what they think. It's about what you believe. It's not about what they see. It's about what you believe and see that God can do and being consistent in it. And at just the right time, Galatians 6 says, in due season, you will reap a harvest if you do not quit. Now, I'm going to give you this. Y'all ready for some homework? This is a really cool chapter. In, in, In 11, 6, he says he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I wanted to preach these points, but I believe in this sermon. God wants me to just give you scripture reference and you go. I'm going to give you the word, write it down, cheat sheet. And I want you to study out the things that God did for Ruth in one chapter. Because of verse two, when she said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the field. I'm going to gleam. All right, ready? Here it is. Ready? Number one, we find protection in verse number eight. Number two, we find sustainability in verse number nine. Number three, we find that God rewards faithfulness in verse number 11, 12. In verse number 14, we find that God gives nourishment to renew our strength in times of difficulty. In verse 15, we find that God gives us equality. He lets us be where where he is. As if we belong there. a beautiful thing. In verse number 16, he gives us provision. Pull some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them there on purpose. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. Aren't you thankful for the seasons of life when God just said, I'm going to give you more than you deserve. In verse number 17 and 18, we find that not only does he give provision, he gives abundance. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great, mighty things that you do not know. I like this quote. It's not my own. It might be Max Cicada. We can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. We see few, and God sees an orchard. We see limitless, limited possibility, and God sees lifetime of fulfillment. You never know how powerful the seed of provision God puts in your life is going to turn. A boy saw a sack lunch with five loaves and two fishes, and God saw enough to see feed 15,000 plus. The fish in the sea, God saw them as a means to pay taxes. The disciples saw a panic and Jesus saw a fishing trip. They saw crazy and he saw abundance. They were in boats and would toil all night and catch nothing and he would say trust me enough to throw it in one more time but this time throw it on the other side and by the time the nets started to fill up they needed the other fleets to come help them bring it in because their boat started to sink you may think going to church today was worthless but God said I'm going to put something in your boat today that you didn't think you could have I'm going to put some hope in your mind I'm going to put some fervorance I'm going to put some perseverance I'm going to put some endurance in you I'm going to make you love that woman again I'm going to make you love that man again. I'm going to help you go home and care about those toddlers, care about those teenagers, care about those people you're called to. You're going to go to work with your head held high. And even though they didn't promote you, you're going to walk in there a son and daughter of God, knowing that God's got provision and not just provision. Hey, he'll give you a kernel of corn. You plant it. He'll give a stock full of kernels. God has something for you and it's not just for you. That's what abundance is. Abundance isn't about what you get to store up. Abundance is about what you get to give away. And in the next verse, it says, when Ruth went back to work, he ordered that. In verse 17, it says that Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed her mother-in-law. I like this. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain. That was left over from lunch. That she couldn't finish. I mean God is good isn't he? He rewards you with abundance. Verse number 8. You find that. In verse number 18. Through 20. Where not only does he give you abundance. He gives you ability. The ability to bless others. You know what we call that? One word. Redemption. From needing to feeding. From a person with nothing to a person that goes home and says, I brought you a meal. A person that went to a field because they were hungry, now coming home from a field so full. You get this here? Ruth went because there's no food in the house. She comes home with more food than the house needs. And not just that, she comes home with a full belly. Starving to thriving, needing to feeding. That is redemption. And that's what God wants to do for you. But you have to be diligent. Go when you don't want to go. Do when you don't want to do. Follow through when you want to give up. Stay consistent. Be willing to work. Be patient. Watch God transform your life. I've seen it in mine so many times. I cannot even count. I could stand here and give testimony and testimony. Y'all remember my salvation testimony, right? The guy getting evicted from his apartment, had his truck repossessed, and three pieces of bologna in his fridge with nothing more than alcohol to drink. To now a guy with a home and a family and two vehicles. And and I'm not saying that, oh, this is how God's going to bless you. But I'm saying this right now. I used to be the person in life that was just a broke down nothing. And now God's got me standing on a stage telling you that if you feel like a broke down nothing, God's got something better for you. God's got something bigger for you. But you got to be patient. But don't stand still. Get up. Be willing to work. But don't just willing to work one day. Be consistent in your work. Be dependently. Because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So maybe at the end of your notes, you write these words, I will be diligent. Regardless of circumstances regard, I will be diligent. I will trust God to do what he can do. I'll close with this verse. In verse number 21, then Ruth said, what's even better? That's what what's more means. What's even better, Naomi, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvest to serve for the entire harvest. In other words, God didn't just give me provision today. We're going to make it through this season. And the Bible says later that not only did she stay through the barley harvest, she stayed through the wheat harvest too. You never know just how powerful the decision you make now is going to be in your life. A faithful decision, a faithful choice will lead to multiple opportunities. And look what Naomi said when we're out. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields. And I underline this in my Bible, but you will be safe with him. When I read this, I had my weep moment. Because I'm looking at Boaz as I'm looking at my heavenly father. I'm looking at him as I'm looking at my savior and the Holy Spirit that God's given me. He's an example of that in this passage. And it hit me very hard. Because sometimes it gets difficult in a harvest season. How many of you have ever picked green beans and you know this to be true? It's not easy. Anybody else shuck corn in here? Did they warn you that there's worms in the corn? I had no idea when my grandmother first looked at me and said, go shuck the corn, that it would cost me a year of my, a half of my life from eating corn, from the things I found from the first talk that I opened up. And I was like, what, we eat this? It was not easy, but I do enjoy some squash and corn and okra and green beans. Who in the house is there with me? We're in the South, right? Not only do we love them, we fry it. We take what God made healthy and we pollute it. (laughs) Then we drink a Diet Coke and feel better about it. (laughs) Am I right? The truth is this, and I want them to keep that verse on the screen if we can, please, because I want us to drive home this point. And I want us to look at this as if, if you're hearing this word about God today. As a messenger of God, I wanted you to just hear this in your perspective. For those of you who are trying, how many of you say, you know what? In the past six months of my life, I've put more effort into my faith than I have before. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that? How many of you would say, probably not, but I need to do better, and I, I, I'm convicted now to do so. Would you slip your hand up? Conviction from God is a call up, not a put down. Good. Do exactly what God had said. Stay with his church, his people. I'm not saying that means Grace Community Church. I'm just saying believers. Get with believers. Stay with them throughout this season of your life. Because if you step out of the will of God, you will get harassed. The enemy's coming after you, and he knows his name. He knows her name. He knows your circumstances. He knows your weakness. He will send demons seven times stronger than the one you overcame to try to bring you back. Stay with the people that God has surrounded you with. Keep your accountability going. Keep your counseling going. Keep going to church. Get in your small group. Keep listening to the word of God. Being in the word of God. Stay on your knees. Stay talking to God driving down the road. Get some praise and worship going and stay there. Stay there. Cause Church, you are safe with him no matter where you are, no matter how hard the season, no matter how poor you are you are safe with him, will you say this with me I am safe with him say it, ready, go, I am safe with him, now close your eyes and pray it as if you believe it today and you're calling on God and his heavenly host of angels that he has given charge over you that's surrounding you and keeping you safe, your perfecter, your provider your stability, your God that's faithful to you, will you say that today, I am am safe with you today. Would you just pray that, God, remind me, I am safe with you. No matter what this week throws at you, stay with him. Stay in the field. Keep your focus. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't walk out. Don't throw your marriage away. Don't throw your kids away. Don't throw your future away. Don't quit your job and now your job. Stay with him. You're safe with him. No matter what else is going around you. Because while the storm of your life is rocking the boat, Jesus is sleeping because he knows the storm has no power over him. You're safe with him. You're safe with him. Stand with me. Grab somebody's hand. Let's close in a word of prayer. I hope God spoke to your heart today as much as he spoke to mine through this passage. I'll make my notes available to you, my scribbles. If you'd like them for your little cheat sheet, please go and do your homework. Sometimes you need to be a reminder that no matter how hard you work, you get the same paycheck. Unless you're working in faith towards God because you have no idea what God's going to do with it. There's an abundance coming your way. And an ability with that abundance to give to somebody else. Don't quit. Church, don't quit. If you feel like you're on the edge of quitting today, there's many of us that stick around. From Andre and myself on the stage to our pastors, our elders, our teachers, the people that are committed to walking with God. We're here. We'd love to just hug you and pray over you. You're safe with him. You're safe with him. It is not safe outside of him. It's dangerous out there. Can I tell you this? It's even more dangerous in his will. But the hope we have in his will is he's in it too. And greater is he that lives within us than he that is in the world. Get your more than conqueror hat on today. Get your champion hat on today. Get your masterpiece hat on today. Go to work and watch God do what you never dreamed possible. Amen.